Hello and welcome to the Somatic Movement and Mindset podcast with me, clinical somatic educator and founder of Total Somatics, Heidi Hadley. The Somatic Movement and Mindset podcast has been designed to help you gain a deeper understanding to how your mind and body work. You will learn about your amazing mind and body and why over time you can feel pain, recurring injuries and poor posture. Within this podcast, I will teach you why this doesn't have to be your future or the norm for you. Would you like to learn how to reduce pain, move freely and gain a new lease of life? Let's get started. Hello and welcome back. Now, in today's episode, we've got a very special guest and her name is Kerry Magnus. Now, with Kerry, she's been so, so kind and she's actually um, contributed quite a valuable um, module within the Total Somatics membership program. And so today's podcast is really delving into Kerry, who Kerry is, um, her experience and, and how basically what she's created within the Total Somatics program is just adding an extra bit of richness and, and elements in. But also, if you want to know more about Kerry, how we can then take this further. So before I carry on, Kerry, I'm going to let you just take over from here, if that's okay with you. So you can just tell us a bit about who you are, your life experiences, and, and what's brought you to today, really, and what you're doing in your life and career. Thanks, Heidi. Right, so I'm actually from Cape Town in South Africa, and I'm a holistic psychologist and a body talk practitioner. And I originally um, didn't want to do any of this. I actually originally wanted to be a doctor, and and obviously the universe had different plans for me. I ended up um, doing a few other things before going back to study to become a psychologist. But I very, very early on realized that it wasn't sufficient to just focus on the mind stuff. And I, I realized this through my own process of therapy as well, because I, could, I got very stuck in my head and I could analyze everything to death, but it didn't, it was almost like I hit a ceiling and it wasn't necessarily shifting anything for me. Well, it was, it was, it's lovely to be conscious. Consciousness is very important, but there's a limit to how far you can go with that. And it can be a defense to stay in the head as well, not to actually feel in the body. So I came across body talk, which is very similar to kinesiology, um, where you test what's out of balance in the body and in the body-mind complex using muscle testing. And this was such a wonderful combination with the therapy. And little did I know how useful it was going to prove for me because I, I very soon, I had actually been burning out on various levels before, but hadn't really been diagnosed. Um, and during my studying my master's and my, or my honors and my master's in psychotherapy and psychology, I was diagnosed with depression and then just stress and then a whole lot of things. And I thought, this isn't quite that simple. I'm getting sick a lot. I have, I'm dizzy. I'm not managing to sleep very well, which is, that can be part of depression. But there was a whole lot going on, and I knew it wasn't as simple as just being depression. And I knew, yes, it had to do with stress, but it also wasn't quite as simple as that. So I um, forged on, because that was my nature, and uh, just did what I could, whatever I could to, to feel better and then to carry on working and to be the best I could be at everything I did, because that was also my nature. And I um, ultimately... When my first child was born in 2012, I crashed very, very badly. 
um, and she barely slept, <clears throat> and I had a very, quite a traumatic pregnancy with a uh, birth experience with her. And so I was very, very fortunate to have a sister who is a functional medical doctor. And she said, no, let's do some blood work here and diagnose me with adrenal fatigue syndrome. And I'd realized then that this had been going on for a while in my life, but I'd never actually had a diagnosis for it. And it had never been as severe. And I took all the necessary medication and did all the right things. Um, and as soon as I felt better, I went back to living my life in the same way, expecting the same standards for myself and pushing and driving. And naturally, I crashed very soon thereafter. And I had to do that four times um, through another child where I crashed again. Um, so four crashes. And then I finally thought, hold on, you know this stuff. There's a whole body and mind connection. Your body doesn't just get, you know, yes, you, ha you can give it the right food. And you can you can take the right supplements and um, bioidentical hormones, and you can address. And and at that point, I was doing quite a bit of body movement as well. I was having, and I was also having treatments like Reiki, and I was doing so a little bit of gentle yoga. But I wasn't addressing what it was in my makeup, in my psychological makeup, that was creating this imbalance in my body. And I, you know, it's. You know how it is when you're like when you're supposedly an expert in something, you you never look at yourself very no. well, and then no. it's your shadow. And and so I thought, come on, Gary, you know this. Let's just you know. So I sat down with myself and and um and I thought I thought about it, and I realized that I had never actually felt um safe in my life. And and when I say safe, I mean secure. Um, as in uh, not necessarily so much from crime, but there is a big part of it living in South Africa, but just that I was going to be okay no matter what. And and I realized how I had put a whole lot of things in place in my life to feel safe and to feel good and good enough and to feel loved. And I was, it was literally shaping my my body. It was shaping how the, the, the not feeling safe had shaped how I was using my body and being in my body. And and had shaped my psychology and how I responded to that, which in turn impacted my body because there's this massive body-mind connection. On so, there's so many different levels to this about how it impacts. So that, that brought me to um, my own journey of healing, which then um, became the basis of what I now offer to my clients, which is to understand the, the physical imbalance and depletion in relation to the psychology of it and old patterning and so that's where I am now and it's it's been amazing because it's been for me it's been a journey of stepping into my truth it was a realization about how disconnected I was from my truth because I was trying to do and be the things that I thought would keep me safe and would make me feel good enough and now I'm standing in the space of being much more connected and just a totally different perspective about life and, and it's really actually enabled me to step into my truth through my body experience through healing my body um, and the body-mind connection.
And, yeah. and I'd agree with that because in a sense, we are our own um, case study, aren't we? we? I always say that to everybody is that we learn so much from our own experiences. And I mean, that's how we connected is through a network where it's like health professionals and, and general um, interest in that whole mind and body side of things, isn't it? Um, as regards that. And and in a sense, uh, um, this is really tying in with what you're mentioning is, and this is why it's it's so powerful. Um, and I said we've connected because there's so much that we resonate. And obviously, um, members within Total Somatics are going to understand this because they'll see the content that you've created, plus other things that they've learned over the time. But even for listeners that are listening to this through the podcast, um, it's just really important for everyone to note, isn't it, that um, really over the years, and I don't know if you'd agree with this, Kerry, but sometimes when you start getting to like late 30s, early 40s, those habits and the behaviors that have just been building up subconsciously, they take quite a hold. And it's often at that point that we start to realize how we're held quite captive, aren't we, in those tight patterns, either um, muscular patterns, mindset patterns, habitual, you know, um, we just we just live most of our time subconsciously. So by the time we get to say late 30s, early 40s, um, there's that record card and it's making a note of all the things that we may have bounced back from in our 20s and 30s, but we just don't bounce back like we did before. And, and it's fascinating from just even your personal account that's brought you to where you are today is that you realize that it's not about um, changing things from the external, but it's actually the internal change, isn't it? And it's, again, that whole mind and body connection, because you can't, we know we can't separate them. They, they, they're heavily intertwined um, yes. for, for that reason. So um, can you let us know a little bit more about, um, like, for example, what you've been teaching us within Total Somatics members and and that sort of thing? Because it, it's been so, oh, it's been wonderful really just listening to all your gems of wisdom and even just those proactive measures that we've been encouraged to take away and practice. It's been brilliant. Oh, thank you. Um, so where to start? Firstly, our body Firstly, our body is, is, it's all energy. You know, we, everything is energy. And, and as such, the energy and how it flows in the body is going to impact our physiology. And when we, when we have an emotional experience, the energy can get stuck. And what's interesting is, is energy, because it has frequency, our emotions also have different frequencies. So, Oftentimes, the emotional experience we have will determine whereabouts in the body there's an energetic issue. So, for instance, um, the, in, the frequency of anger means that it's highly aligned to liver. And oftentimes, when there's um, stuckness in our life or suppressed anger, there can also be liver issues, um, particularly a sluggish liver that doesn't detox very well, for instance. Um, sugar, goodness, sweetness, um, issues around that are going to often result in pancreas difficulty, the ability to receive goodness and sweetness in the life. Uh, if you think about the, you know, what here, what I always like to say to my clients, just feel it, because if you just think about a recent loss, um, oftentimes people even will use their hands and they might put their hands on their heart or on their lungs, this area around the heart. We often hold our grief in our lungs and we have heartache around loss. Um, and you hear of, of so many, I had a client who um, she lost her husband and came to see me and um, 
she kept on saying how her heart was broken and she and she would lie on my body on the body talk table and she'd put both her hands over her heart and she lay there just crossed over her heart and I said and I pointed it out I said I noticed that you're doing this and she said oh I sleep like this every night it was like she was trying to keep her heart together um so so our emotions really impact the energy in our body and that actually then impacts the, physio the physiology of the body um and and it, there's one step before that which is our thoughts impact our emotions which impact the energy which impacts the physiology and so there's this whole pattern on pathway and and because our body can't the brain and the brain can't tell the difference between reality and our thought patterns. If we just think something like, oh, this is terrible, there's going to be a physiological response in the body, which is going to result in a stress response and then an energetic shift as well. And all of that's going to impact. If it happens chronically, it's going to have a, an impact that's, that's going to be felt in the long term. So, so energy flow impacts um, the, the body physiologically. If it gets stuck, it impacts us. Um, we also embody our emotions. Um, again, if you just think about an experience where there was fear, and if you feel into your body, there's going to be contraction. We, go, we become small inside. We almost, I guess on some level, we're trying to hide. We're trying to... to um, if you look at the fight flight response, it would be a bit of a flat, a flat response or a freeze response even, which happens in the body on a physiological level. And when that is happening chronically, we embody that. Um, and so for me, I grew up uh, in, in a lot of, um, in a very unsettled time during apartheid in South Africa, where there was quite a lot of um, unrest and it did impact us on a personal level. And my parents, because they were battling with their own emotional stuff, weren't necessarily able to hold me in my end. And it was triggering for them to, for me to be emotional, if that makes sense. So in a way, I just needed to be okay. So I, a lot of my holding, which my osteopath pointed out to me years later, was as I had, my shoulders were hunched forward and over and up. And also, like, I spend a lot of time with my shoulders up around my ears. But so, so the shoulders were a lot of tension in the shoulders um, and a lot of holding in the diaphragm around the solar plexus. And then my, my um, pelvis was, was also then, and there was a slight torsion in the pelvis. And he, he showed all of this to me. And from a body talk perspective, I thought, oh, that makes so much sense. So I was protecting my heart. I was shouldering a whole lot of responsibility from my early days where I felt I needed to hold a lot so my parents didn't have to. Um, my, the pelvis is related to feeling grounded and supported. And if you can't feel like you can rest and sink into the earth and trust that life has got you, there's this pulling upwards and forwards, which most of us have in our bodies. It's ve there's very few of us who can, in a rested state, be leaning back and settle down if that makes sense. Yeah. So there's yeah. this, this pulling up and pushing forward that often happens in the body. And then oftentimes there'll be a twist in the pelvis or tension in the pelvis 
related to that. And of course, there's a whole craniosacral link as well. And there's often TMJ stuff. So we also, there, that, that's a big one, suppressing our words, clenching on the, on the jaw, not being able to speak our truth, not wanting to speak our anger for fear of the, the results. Um, so we embody our emotional and energetic state. And yeah, those, those are the big ways in, in which it comes out. And of course, stress, which is so over, it's, uh, unfortunately, it's, you know, it's, the word is, is said so often that people, I think, shut down when they hear stress. So for me, it's, it's overwhelm. Stress is, is the experience of feeling slightly threatened and then being overwhelmed and not, not, not feeling empowered. Mm. Um, actually, a woman um, who shares the, an analogy about stress, which is, um, I think it's nuts. It's the novelty of an experience, your understanding um, threat or perception of threat and S is the um, perception of, um, I can't remember what it is, but basically it's how you perceive whether or not you're in control. So stress is about the degree to which you perceive something is threatening and how much you feel like you're in control. So as soon as we perceive that something is a threat to us, even though we may not even consciously realize we're doing it, we have a, a thought process that is so quick and unconscious that our bodies are going to respond in um, a stress response, which is normal. You know, stress response is, is adaptive. It's what helps us survive. But we are, we spend up to 80% of our day in stress when we're supposed to only spend 20% in fight flight. Um, and the rest of it, we should be in rest digest um, phase. And when that's happening on a physiological level, your body's doing a number of different things to enable you to fight flight. So you will your digestion system is going to shut down to conserve energy. Your blood flow is going to change in it to enable you to fight or to run. Um, your vision is going to change. It becomes more tunnel vision to be more, more perceptive in certain ways. Um, your blood pressure increases. The blood um, flows faster in the veins. The veins may dilate or constrict. I can't remember which way it goes. Um, but to enable, again, to enable fight flight. And also the blood flow goes more towards the heart and away from the arms and legs. It's, it, there's a whole lot of different changes that happen, which are necessary for fight flight. But if that is happening chronically, then you're going to have physiological imbalance in the body. And um, ultimately, of course, the adrenals, which are the ones that are at the center of the hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis, which enables the fight flight response to happen they become imbalanced. And when they become imbalanced, your entire endocrine system becomes imbalanced. And it's just, we're a, we're a system. The body is a system. So you, there's going to be a systemic response to chronic stress, to chronic emotional experiences. It's embodied, physiology changes. And the, yeah, there's just so many ways in which they can be imbalanced. So it's so vital to be conscious. And I think that's the great thing is that when you mention um, <clears throat> breaking that down, say the postural um, responses, those those stress postural reflexes. Mm. Um, I know that members within the Total Somatics um, program will kind of understand that because we look at three different reflexes, um, which is uh -huh. the red light, the green light and the trauma. So they are different behavioral patterns that you can develop from that fight, flight, stress response. Um, wow. But it is so true that if we, you know, we, we don't want to get rid of those um, stress patterns because they are there for our survival, aren't they? But the thing is, it's, it's being able to have those skills and the knowledge to know that 
we can go in and out of them at the right amount of period of time so that they're there as self-preservation, but then we can live the rest of our times much more consciously rather than subconsciously stuck in that stress pattern. Because it's really interesting when you mentioned about the HPA axis, because Mm. That is a big thing, isn't it? That's the element just for listeners to know again. So we were just discussing that, but that's what happens is that things start to shift and change um, within the brain. And then what happens is, is that the inflammation levels increase, don't they, as a result? So we've got like that cortisol, which leads yes, then to chronic inflammation. Yeah. Chronic inflammation, yeah. And so then what we have are people going through like medical systems as it were being given names and labels and and it becomes quite disempowering then because they're now being uh, it's they live on a, a label or they their identity can sometimes feel like it's changing or it's being shifted because yeah. they're just a number on a clinic list you know something like that and so that's why it's it's been so valuable um hearing from you and getting that that information and um and also not just the information but how we can integrate that into our daily life because really it's so powerful that the more that people know what they can do um they can take ownership back can't they because we're living in you know around the world whoever's listening to this whatever time they pick this episode up you know we've had at least a year where the world has been shifted upside down on multiple levels and so the stress that people have endured we're going to see that for unfortunately for a number of years to come. And there's the generational aspects as well. So, you know, we, you, you mentioned earlier about your dear parents, but there's that intergenerational trauma, isn't there? We see Absolutely. things. It's a um, massive component. Massive. Mm. And even things mm. such as um, mirror neurons. I love mirror neurons mm-hmm. and how there's yes. that whole nature nurture thing. So there's parts that we pick up genetically and then we've learned through like epigenetics, how your lifestyle can yeah. shift and change. But yeah. you, you realize that um, how, much we just give off subconsciously to those around us and so um, I was just thinking you know when you were mentioning that because of it being such a an important time that we really nurture and take care of our entire system our amazing brain and our mind and our beautiful bodies what could you suggest for listeners you know as we move forward what we can do to really nurture and take care of ourselves because we're in we're in it's a bit of a marathon really what we're going through at the moment and it will continue and and if we are aware that we're going in a marathon and we've just got to take care of ourselves as we go along I think that's probably a better health healthier headspace to be in to think what Mm. we do on a daily basis to to nurture our mind and body really I mean what what are your thoughts what kind of things could people do or implement so the the beauty about the fact that stress impacts the body so much is that we can, it, it has a flip relationship or um, a reverse relationship is that the body can then be used to manage the stress better. Because um, if we, the body is, is then, can then highlight to us when there is imbalance. And not only then we can take action in various ways, but we can even use the body to also balance the body through, for instance, breathing or grounding. But it all starts with connection. And that starts with having to be quiet and rest, and not necessarily rested. Hopefully the rest will come. But there needs to be a period of, of connecting, which means that there needs to be some quiet time or a, a dedicated time to just tune in. What tends to happen is the more overwhelmed and stressed we become, the more we go into our coping mechanisms, which generally involves trying to be in control and do and achieve and succeed. 
So we actually often push harder when we most need to stop. And so many of my clients say to me, they're addicted to doing. And I get it completely. It took taken me and I still sometimes get into that, that doing phase where it's really hard to see that I'm doing it and to actually stop. So to just notice when they are when they are in that chronic doing overwhelm phase and what that feels like. And and so it it involves both consciously trying to take some time to tune in, which would be, you know, a dedicated period of time, maybe in the morning or at night before going to bed, to, to do a body scan, for instance, and just scan the body from the top of the head to the toes to feel what it feels like. And as you do that more and more, there's an awareness of where the tension is being held and how the body is usually, feel, usually filled. And so it's almost like developing a better relationship with the body. Um, I think in the in the modules I shared with you, I said it's always um, the, uh, the one practice I mentioned was actually using your hands to, to nice. connect with the body. The reason the reason this is so powerful is because touch is just incredibly um, beneficial, and it gets us more into our bodies if we're touching us, our, our face or our, our hands or our arm. It, it's it's that physical contact takes you out of your head and into your body, so it really just brings you straight into the body. So the, the very, very first place to start is a consciousness of when you are striving, pushing, doing, and overwhelming, and even what that feels like, um, and having a, a time to tune in to notice. So you may notice that you're in that space automatically, but you may need to very consciously choose to actually tune in to notice what's going on. And I remember vividly... Um, so I had noticed, for instance, with my adrenal fatigue that towards the end of the day, I'd often become quite wired, which is was because of the cortisol imbalance. And I had said to my therapist that I am, um, that I, I think I might be like bipolar or something. She's like, and, and she, she didn't understand the adrenal fatigue and neither did I at that point. But that was my first sort of recognition of, of what my body was doing. And then I noticed that I had ten, that I, I often would hold tension like a band around my chest and my back, almost like a metal like clamp. Um, and, and then I could actually realize, okay, hold on, I'm, this is telling me that I'm, I'm stressed because I'm holding myself in this way. So then I would stop and use the hand thing and just sort of, either rub, rub my arms, so cross my arms over, over my chest, rub my arms, um, almost like a self-embracing gesture and, and just sort of say, you know, it's, it's going to be okay, you're okay. So, so any type of stopping and tuning in and meeting yourself is already going to start to rewire your brain and, and, and help you to start regulating the nervous system by having a, a different default response. And I, I thought, can I just add into that? Because if, if someone's listening to this and they're really fresh to this whole new concept, um, you know, we, we talk quite naturally about living in our heads and things. But if, if someone's thinking, well, what does that mean? I just thought, do you mind me mentioning that basically um, 
when someone's living living in their heads, it's still part of that survival mechanism. Because if you think about it, if we're on high alert, we shut down all sensory um, feedback and perception of what's going on from basically our, our neck down, because we're staying very cognitive. We, you know, if we were in a, a caveman or cavewoman and saber toothed tiger situation, you're going to be just looking for safety, looking at possible ways to either as an escape route or how to take that bear on or something like that. So you're going to be living in your head and everything else just quite is just quietly ticking on automatically in the background. But as we've mentioned before, if someone's living in their head all the time because they're constantly living in that stress cycle, self-preservation, you can talk yourself out of things really well, but you actually have no feel or insight or sensory awareness to what's happening in your body. That's basically what it is. And it's slowing it down because um, there's a lot of people that are living like that nowadays, unfortunately. And and I, I know we've both talked before in like in the clinical practice. I had somebody only recently that I asked them just to place their hands on their ribs, feel and sense and feel the movement of their rib cage. Or in this instance, there wasn't a lot of movement in their rib cage, exactly like you mentioned that tight band all the way around, but just mm-hmm. holding on to their ribs and noticing that, you know, the, the breath, the tears started to well up because it was like building a relationship with themselves again, becoming reacquainted in a sense, because um, this is all keeping us alive, our heartbeat, our breathing. And it's really just, it's, it almost blends into that gratitude as well as mindfulness, doesn't it? In the sense that our amazing, beautiful bodies, everything, the whole system is keeping us going. Um, And it's, as you mentioned, it's just those simple things, just stopping and grounding ourselves because again if we live very cerebral very cognitive we can start to go right well I think I've got to do this this and this and have I got to do a specific type of breathing technique and and it just Mm. floods the mind with more which Mm. these breathing techniques are great but sometimes your nervous system just wants to know how to breathe in deeply exhale Mm. slowly and then notice that silent pause isn't it we can sometimes make life really complicated yes yes that's that is it and, and there's also a tendency for people to believe that by thinking about it, they're controlling it. Yeah. So if it's almost like I, I somehow can, can have all the plans in my head, I can prepare, I can have all the eventualities, the possibilities. And it's, it's almost, yes, I can believe that I, I can, I can think my way and worry my way out of and, and thinking and worrying again, there, there's an adaptive level of that. Yes, we do need to do that. But if we're doing that, um, too much too extreme then then there is that disconnection and interestingly that's very much linked to spleen functioning wow so wow. The chinese medicine spleen imbalance is often linked to um overthinking and over worry wow yeah so well, what is interesting yeah. is it you can see how it all blends in together and then you can start seeing again how those the the chronic illness how it then starts to link into different body systems and again you know the whole hormonal endocrine system how everything's tied up isn't it how it all starts to change and again that's coming back to immunity isn't it when you think of spleen and and inflammation and everything really it's it's fascinating isn't it which also shows you why it's difficult for a doctor to why it often doesn't work that the doctor just focuses on that one aspect through one avenue that's right uh, when there's so many different complexities to it yeah well, it's like I often say in somatics, um, as a practitioner, what you do is you stand back with soft eyes and you look at that client globally, 
because it's yeah. every like your brain patterns your emotions like we've already mentioned it patterns everything doesn't it in particular ways and it's actually stopping looking and then it's even noticing the things that aren't aren't being said but you're just noticing those subconscious behaviors isn't it and that's what takes time a bit like any relationship with somebody it doesn't uh-huh. just happen overnight it takes time it's nurturing and spending time yeah. making that time and that's what we have to do with our bodies because you know there are many times you mentioned about the scan and there are people out there that will lie there and go ah oh, they'll have their eyes closed they might open one eye and go oh, i can't feel anything and yeah. you realize again that's because there's just such a huge disconnect and and yet yeah. it's so powerful just come back to those small things and then and it's basically those small steps isn't it if if we can start to just embody ourselves notice what's happening then we can start to move on and and take other proactive steps it's i mean that's that's what's really wonderful though kerry is that it's that power of um education isn't it and it's that self-care because when we when we educate people it it takes ownership back to them instead of again we mentioned earlier on being in the system and they're just a number on a clinic list and they're Mm -hmm. just they're they're living by an identity of a diagnosis but actually peeling back all those layers and going back to what actually can be that trigger or that root cause and then it's almost like a detective isn't it working back and then and going from there really I mean how how have you found that's worked for you in your in your clinical practice over the years uh, the the helping people take their power back mm-hmm. yeah. yeah that is pivotal I mean if if you go back to the fact that stress is often because of a perception of not having control then you can see how useful it is to support people to feel more empowered in their own body. And unfortunately, our medical system is very much based around giving the power away to experts, supposed experts. And I think for trauma, you know, trauma and accidents and that and whatnot, yes, you, you want the expert very much to just take control and sort it out. And, and, they, and there's definite benefits to that. But with things like chronic illness, a lot of the time we, and, and in depression and anxiety, which often will have its own physiological um, aspects related to it. we are the experts on our own bodies and i'm not saying we have to do it alone because i think a lot of people i see with burnout have spent their whole lives trying to do it alone trying to do it all alone or giving all their power away to other people what you're wanting to do is to start to get to know yourself to get to know your imbalance to understand your body and your own normal responses and, and then when it's not normal to then be able to seek support where you can work, almost co-create your healing journey with the, with the person who's facilitating that process so that you can then say to them, no, sorry, I don't agree with that. Or actually that feels, that really resonates with me so that, that they're involved in the process and, and can give feedback. And I'm sure you, I'm sure you, you feel this, but there's nothing better than having a client who's conscious and aware and can say to you, oh, yes, um, I, you know, can give you feedback. You can, you can tell you what's working, what's not working, where they're feeling it. It's, it's really wonderful because then you know you're getting somewhere. And, and that's not to say that those people are disconnected. It's not to put down anyone who's disconnected because we can all get to that process. Um, and, but it is, it is to know and to believe that you do have the answers within. And the other part of this is that I truly believe that if you give your body the right conditions, the correct terrain, it will come back into balance. Mm-hmm. And, and part of that process will is also very intuitive. So as you come back to yourself, as you connect yourself, you start to feel what you need to start. You start to recognize and balance. You also start to um, 
know the, the correct people to see or it just feels good. It's like you get drawn almost to this person or that person or this food or this even supplement um, to some degree. This is, you know, this is what my body's needing. This feels good. And then start those ingredients, the, 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 the right ingredients are taken in and then the body can actually do what it needs to do, which is to bring itself back into balance. And it does know how to do that if we just get out the way. <laughs> it's, it's right. It's, it's that whole somatic awareness, isn't it? It's that, because um, <clears throat> again, in somatics, we see the entire mind and body and the spirit and everything because the soma, so one giant sensory organism. And, and that's exactly what you're saying because, you know, um, in somatics, we, we would say that everybody is so unique from their bone structure to their medical history to their emotional makeup their mindset everything their life experience everything that's brought them to today makes them so unique so you can't really pigeonhole and say right you've got to do this because as you say it's got to resonate it's got to work with that person and and what you were mentioning made me also think of <clears throat> i think it was about two or three years ago i was in a lecture with norman deutsch you know who wrote the brain that changes itself so okay. he he basically talked and he said like for 35 years he's been talking about brain plasticity and how things adapt and change yeah. you talked all about that and he said for years he was kind of laughed out of lots of medical institutions because they thought this was crazy but he said as the years went on as neuroscience just mushroomed in the research he said now they're starting to see that the brain has this capacity to constantly adapt and change and added yeah. to that, pain scientists are saying that we have bioplasticity. So again, our bodies, they can adapt and change. So when we know that our entire body and our mind are constantly changing and updating, and we can develop unhealthy habits because of bio and neuroplasticity, but yeah. light lies, we can switch things to create those healthy habits, can't we? And he actually, and that's why Norman Deutsch actually said that. He goes, you can't pigeonhole people. People are going to find what's going to work with them and they're going to create their own little method, but they will collect things from different areas um, to bring about a health package that's going to suit them. Um, and yeah. basically every brain is different and every soma, everybody is different, aren't they? So it's exactly what you say. And when we start to educate ourselves, we then feel really empowered. We've got skill sets, we've got knowledge, we gain a deep understanding of what's actually happening in our internal environment so then when we start seeing that we're going into those default patterns that we you mentioned earlier then we can think oh hang on i'm going to use that conscious part of my mind and think let's just rein that in let's start living more consciously instead of getting sucked into that vortex of the subconscious holding patterns and yeah all the emotional and physiological things that can happen so it's amazing isn't it definitely yeah so it's about recognizing the the imbalance and then having an awareness of what to put in place for you that you, is unique to you that works. Absolutely. That's the other thing is obviously the tools that we give aren't going to resonate with everyone. So it's about their, for them not necessarily just saying, okay, I'll do this, but trying it out and then saying, yes, so this works for me, that doesn't work for me. Yeah. Um, and not having to just do what the, the supposed expert says you must do. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think we're in, also in a wonderful time where there is so much more research and people are questioning more. And that's yeah. the great thing, isn't it? And you don't feel fearful to put those questions out because, and, and we know ourselves from working with the brain is that the more that we use the front part of our brain, which is that focus, awareness, concentration, decision-making, so all that executive function, it, mm. it helps, doesn't it? It really plays into that whole thing of we're still taking control and we're taking ownership of every decision that we make instead of, again, just being um, 
that disempowering and being lost in the system as it were which can happen so but it's been really wonderful Kerry so is there any way that um people can follow you from here and and just find out a little bit more if you've got some website links and we will put it all in the show notes but just to give you this opportunity okay great um yeah so I have a a website um www.kerrymagnus.net and on there is an ebook where I explain the um, the basis or my understanding of chronic fatigue from a body, mind, and spirit perspective, and, and the whole holding, um, how it develops from childhood and then creates this tendency then to burn out in adulthood. And um, I have, uh, I offer a fatigue to flow one-on-one coaching package, which there, there's a bit of information on the website about that. It runs through uh, eight sessions done over four months plus three body talk sessions as well which involves a lot of what I've shared here it's about being able to connect recognize the imbalance and put tools in place it's about releasing stresses and traumas where I introduce a couple of different ways to do that it's about then being able to receive the information that is needed so I look at things like intuition and a more of a spiritual focus and then at the end is an integration phase of looking at what they can take from it that's going to be unique to them. So this whole, again, this is what we were talking about. So it's, they almost create their own plan for going forwards based on what I've shared, but what they've developed and learned about themselves. So it's not me saying this is what you should do, but through the process, they get to understand what works for them and what they'd like to do to help to support them as they move forward. So that's the fatigue to flow process. And I also just offer a body talk, um, a body talk package of three sessions. Um, and I also have a, 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 it's a Facebook group where I share quite a few, um, I, I do Facebook lives, I share resources on there. Um, so that's at, that's at Kerry, it's www.facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash conscious energy. And um, there's a link from there to the to the website as well. Oh, brilliant. Well, I'll make sure that we put all those links on and that Facebook link as well, because um, it just makes it easier for everyone to flow through from there, isn't it? Yeah. So I'll make sure that's in the show notes at the bottom of this episode here. So um Thanks. But it's been so wonderful, Kerry. And honestly, um, for the members, if you're in the membership, um, you'll absolutely love it because um, Kerry's been so generous with what she's put forward. And, and um, you're just going to see how it's, it blends so beautifully with that whole somatic awareness, everything that we kind of talk about within the membership. It's just really nice to bring in the expert um, looking at the whole psychological side of things, but then seeing how everything still comes together. Um, thank you. It's been so nice. I really appreciated your your um, your generosity because it's been really nice for the members. Thank you so much, Kerry. Well, thank you very much for this opportunity. I always enjoy talking to you. It's lovely, isn't it? So, yeah. um, so thank you, everybody, for joining us today. And um, as I said, all the details for Kerry will be at the bottom of this episode on the show notes. Um, and I look forward to seeing you next time. Until next time, take care. Take care. Thank you for joining me today. If you've enjoyed this episode, please leave a rating and also forward this on to somebody you know will benefit. To learn more about pain relief, plus how to improve your health and well-being, go to totalsomatics.com. Until next time, take care.